What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian and Ozzy podcast. I am the Martian, joined by my co-host, as always, Ozzy. And this week, we're going to be talking about the amazing UFC 280 card going down this weekend from Abu Dhabi. Two title fights, uh, six fights that could honestly be a headliner on a fight night or something like that, or just a headliner on a pay-per-view. This is uh, seriously one of the best cards in recent memory, and I cannot wait for a Saturday uh, morning, actually, on the East Coast time for these fights to start. Ozzy, how are we doing this week, my man? fantastic new york just keeps on rolling my yankees got it done yesterday we're gonna roll on to the funk master um hopefully keeping his belt as well in the co-main event and yeah obviously this is the the event a lot of people have been you know anticipating you got you know pound for pound guys as the backups you got below versus sean brady on the prelims you got kyle brazilian chad bohio on the prelims just a stack card up and down you know the o'malley versus Jan, amazing fight so Know, very excited to get you know through it obviously like you mentioned the early start time so you know i i like that as well and uh and yeah a lot of um research and uh effort definitely has gone into you know looking at this card top to bottom yeah, and I'm seeing like a lot of like bettable lines as well. I mean, sometimes when we go to Abu Dhabi or these rushing cars, there's a lot of, you know, big favorites that you can't really bet. Only one big, you know, massive favorite in Mokaya, minus 1,200, Rosa at minus 300. But other than that, you know, pretty much every fight in the minus 200 range or, or shorter. So a lot of fights to bet on. Uh, I'm seeing value on underdogs and favorites throughout the car. But before we just get into this car real quick, a uh, quick recap of last week. Uh, bad week for me, minus 2.53 units. Uh, you know, only one bet, one. That was Tyra Moneyline. And, um, you know, I feel feel fine about Sam Hughes. I think that was a, a fine bet. But then the other three bets, you know, not really good. The Mana, uh, Davis ITD, which was my best bet. You know, it got close one moment overall wasn't a good bet Brito over no chance he destroyed that guy and then the Jackson starts around two you know uh Rodriguez destroyed that guy too <laughs> so you know bad week of, of bets uh for me uh what about you uh drop just under a unit um you know my two most confident plays that I made you know very very early on like right after the uh the last card um Tyra and Dusko came through obviously that Dusko one was a little sweaty, but I mean, he just stayed in positions that I mean, he just wasn't going to get finished by Jordan right on the ground. I didn't think. Obviously, he got to, you know bottom mounted, and then Tyra, you know, did his thing, look really good. I I did have a little sprinkle on the submission line, and then I was with you on Sam Hughes. I think that's a good bet. I make that you know more often than not, it's plus one fifty, and uh, and then obviously Misha Misha got put put his lights out, got his lights put out. So you know, just under unit uh, loss there, probably should have maybe. Up the ante a little bit on a few of the favorites that I liked, um, but uh, but it was it was all right, card. I think with some live betting, I was you know slightly ahead, um, but uh, but yeah, that was like a very that was like an appetizer card. It wasn't you know it wasn't anything special there. Yeah, pretty forgettable card. I mean, Tyra is legit. I can't wait to see him in the future. Uh, Maximoff shit the bed. A sun's out with the vet lesson. It was a deep Cub Swanson. That's the one. Cubs. I knew Cub Swanson was gonna get fucking sparked. Like as I was yeah. looking at that more, I'm like, man, I. That's one that I bet. I ended up betting late. Martinez. I like minus two or five. I was like, he's gonna knock this dude Cub out. And you could see as soon as he was landing those kicks on Cub, Cub didn't want to really be in there anymore. So that was that was one that I I wish I would have maybe thrown in there as well but uh but okay card you know the, the yeah. fights weren't that bad yeah that was a sad fight to watch cub get destroyed like that but um enough said about last week let's get into these car uh these fights 13 fights 
And we're starting things off in the women's bantamweight division. Carol Rosa taking on Lena Landsberg. Rosa minus 335. Landsberg plus 275. Now Rosa, you know, throws a lot of strikes. She can hit takedowns as well. I mean, I think she's got all the abilities to win this fight here. I feel like sometimes people are talking about, oh, she can possibly finish a woman, but she just never seems to actually do it. And I don't think she probably will here. I think it's probably going to be a decision. Landsberg is, you know, old enough uh, and, you know, experienced enough to probably just hang around and make it somewhat close to make it to a decision. But I don't see her having much upside to actually win these rounds in this fight. And it's probably going to be a fight that you don't have to think too hard about. And it's probably just going to be Rosa decision. Um, so honestly, her line at minus 115 for decision isn't bad, um, but no real assertive thoughts here for me. What about you? Yeah, I think that decision line is OK. I wouldn't lay this chalk on the money line just because, you know, Landsberg's just so tough. Um, it's, I think it's hard to finish her and she's, you know, she she's competent in a few of the areas unless Rosa is really like shooting a lot of takedowns, which I don't think is going to happen. Um, I think this should probably go to decision. But honestly, man, earlier in the week, I was looking at Landsberg just thinking, you know, that, like that fight against Panny was, a, I, I would say, a little bit closer than um, people really gave credit for. Like, yeah, you know, Panny was able to land a little bit more of the, you know, uh, clear strikes. But Landsberg's tough in there. You know, if you're in the clinch with her, she's nasty. She looks like, like I mentioned before, she looks like she's like a warden of a jail. You know, she's down to get uh, bloody in there. She throws a lot of, you know, clinch strikes as well but just on the outside she doesn't pump enough volume out for her to reliably win rounds so you know if i were to play her i would probably play her to win by a like decision you know which is uh i mean it's not that great of a price so it's probably gonna just have to be a pass um but uh but yeah i wouldn't lay that chalk on carol rosa because she she's just like a little bit we at like the age difference thing in women's mma i don't give as much credence as men just because the baseline of athleticism is like low enough that like it really doesn't deteriorate as much i feel um and landsberg i don't know she's just kind of crazy so she's like an anomaly overall so just a past fight for me um but uh, i wouldn't be comfortable with that chalk price on a girl like rosa yeah i think the one one or two takedowns could pretty much just win her these rounds in this fight um I agree because landsberg is so bad on bottom and you know rosa has exploited that before with her uh her jocelyn edwards fight but um enough about that one moving on to the next fight in the flyweight division muhammad mukayev taking on malcolm gordon kind of surprised this fight's this low on the card you know um mukayev minus 1200 gordon plus 800 so it seems like a matter of uh, how is Mokayev going to win here. I, I mean, I doubt you're, you're giving much of a chance to Gordon. So how do you think Mokayev gets it done? I think this fight finishes in the first two rounds. The decision I'm trying to make is do I play the under at like minus 106 right now on FanDuel? Or do I try to mix like round one, round two Mokayev to potentially have maybe like a little bit of a better price or or, or um, get both get um, both rounds of uh, equity of him finishing. Just I think that Malcolm Gordon, you know, if he could go first, if he could have like if he if he can, um, you know, go for takedowns first, or throw strikes first, whatever it may be, I think he's he he could have success overall. Like I mean, not I don't mean in this fight, just overall. But once you start putting him on the back foot or having him have to catch up to transitions, which I do think will happen here, I think that Makayev is going to be able to uh, just overwhelm him. I would probably say he's probably going to come with strikes. Firstly, maybe he strikes with him a little bit and then just latches onto a submission. 
um, for, because I think Malcolm Gordon will try to shoot on him uh, if he if he does get uh, stunned on the feet. So I'd probably lean towards, uh, like I said, that early finish. The the knockout price is not bad. You could almost get three to one, whereas the submission price is much lower. But I think it is lower because they know that Malcolm Gordon will uh, look to grapple if he is stunned. And I think uh, Mokhaev will be uh, more than happy to there be go for guillotine or pull him in and you know try to circle to his back or something like that but i think this finishes uh early and i will be playing uh some kind of early prop whether it be under or round one round two for makaya yeah it's tough to uh find a prop that you really uh, like here um makaya one or two is uh minus 130 that's actually pretty good on fanduel um because the itd is i mean minus 230 240 on some books um, it's not an easy bet to make because, you know, you have to finish someone at, you know, over a 67% chance for it to look value. But I think it's inevitably going to hit here. I mean, I just think that uh, Gordon is going to be in danger on the feet because his chin's so bad. And then on the ground, it's just going to be a complete uh, wipeout from Mokayev. Gordon's takedown defense is terrible. He's terrible positionally. And just watch the Amir Abazi fight, man. Takes him down, passes his guard, mounts him. Uh, you know, eventually lost the mount, but then got that triangle. So I just think Mokayev is going to be attacking from all angles here and is probably going to get that sub. And, um, you know, with, with it, you know, minus 2344 ITD, I think you're probably better off taking that Mokayev 1-2 or maybe taking fight doesn't start round three at this point because that line is just getting a little out of control. So, uh, and, and generally, if the fight somehow gets to round three, it's probably going to be... Um, Gordon surviving to the decision at that point. So if a finish is happening, it's probably early here. And uh, enough about that one. Uh, middleweight division next, Armin Petrosian taking on A.J. Dobson. Petrosian is the favorite, minus 191. A.J. Dobson plus 166 in the comeback. I think this line is um, looking about accurate, maybe even some value here on Armin. Uh, you know, Dobson just doesn't look like a good fighter at all to me. I, I will say I did I did see a slight improvement from his contender series fight to the Malcoon fight. You know, the contender series, he was just really wild and crazy and swinging, uh, swinging and missing a lot. His foot, feet work was all over the place. And he did kind of calm down a little bit and try to strike and outstrike uh, Malcoon. He did succeed successfully for about five minutes and then in just like the seventh minute of the fight you see him uh a takedown lands for Malcoon and Dobson all the fight just leaves him and he is completely gassed and out of the fight at that moment so you know pretty good sign that the guy's got bad cardio and you know Petrosian is just I'd see I'd say the much better striker of the two I mean he's going to be uh keeping his distance he's going to be kicking a lot he's going to be using those straight punches and uh, Armin's got really good cardio he can go uh he can throw output for the full 15 minutes he's he's pretty durable as well so I mean I think Dobson's gonna have to catch him and knock him out here for him to win I don't see how Dobson is going to win the fight outside of that you could say that Dobson might wrestle here he did apparently wrestle in one of his fights the fight that he went to the decision in a few years ago uh, but petrosian isn't like that uh terrible of a grappler where i think aj dobson is going to be able to take him down i think maybe he will have some brief success but all, pretty much all of armin's fights are him getting you know uh, controlled or taken down for a minute or two and then he separates and then he blasts the guy and knocks him out so uh armin is i'd say very likely to win here i think minus 190 um it's not an easy a chalk bet to make because Armin only has two fights in the UFC, but I do think he has good potential to cover this price tag and win this fight here. So it's Armin or pass for me. This fight, 
I was thinking about playing Armin. I need to do a little bit more, re like a little bit more, just a, a refresh and kind of just check in on where what, what Armin's been doing training wise. Um, but I'm I'm kind of trying to lean towards this going over one and a half, just because like Armin, a lot of his knockouts, a lot of times he has success has been when the other guys like look like slow down a little bit take control of the pace and you know stuff like that and while dobson did come out rabies in that round one of the uh contender fight i think that they know that arm like i think if they're just striking on the outside you know uh aj does have a reach advantage here so you know i think if armin is just throwing out those kicks which is his primary weapon you know maybe aj is able to you know kind of counter that with his hands a little bit more than people expect um and then maybe even looking to, to to get into the clinch and go for takedowns but i potentially see this fight being uh, a bit slower paced at, at certain points you know armin is okay with kind of like looking for for his opening circling around moving his feet and then firing off one or two strikes at a time uh, and I think both, I think AJ himself is pretty durable as well. Um, I think we'll, we'd have to watch for like some of those body kicks. You never know, you know, if you get hit with one of those, uh, big, big body kicks by a guy like Armin, if that folds you over, but you know, being at, at a, like a pick em price for an over here where I don't really think that AJ is going to be able to land, you know, at will on Armin just cause like how, how well Armin moves in there. Um, and he does have the big cage down to work, work with, which, uh, you know, his last, uh, his three other fights in UFC so far have all been in that, you know, small congested cage. Uh, so I think he's going to be looking to get some cage time in, wear AJ out, throw those kicks. Um, so I'm looking at that pick and price, you know, I'll, I'll decide a little bit later on this week. But uh, but but that's the only proper or, or bet that I'm really looking at too much uh, in this fight. Yeah, I agree. I mean, if you look at the knockout props, I just think they're kind of um, overvaluing the KO here for both guys, potentially. I mean, Dobson is probably his only way to win. But the, the Armin KO price at what, plus 120? That's no good. You might as well just take money line at that point. And maybe even... I, um, yeah, I, I feel that ahead. price is like very much like late you know, uh, put in late, like with late equity in it. Like if I was playing Armin, I'm thinking that he's going to get a finish. I would try to play some of those later props just because, you know, he's not really a thumper. Like he doesn't hit crazy hard. So I think he's like more accumulation guy. Like even in that dude that gassed in the uh, contender fight that he had, you know, like he eventually, he put him out cold. Don't get me wrong, but it was like a flurry of strikes. And AJ, like if you were coming in on him, I think that he's, okay like he's good with like clinching up and you know he's pretty strong guy as well so i don't think he's just gonna get obliterated with like one strike yeah and then um the one last point i was gonna make is that armin decision line uh you can get it at plus 330 that's not bad or no plus 400 on DraftKings. i mean if this if somehow gets a decision i think it's pretty gonna be favorable for uh for petrosian at that point so that's not a bad line um, we're moving on next, uh, welterweight division, Abu Bakar and Nurmagomedov taking on Gaji Omar Gajiev. Uh, you hear that pronunciation, Ozzy? That's why, that's why I get paid the big bucks. I mean, just absolutely nailing everything, every syllable. Um, welterweight fight here, Abu Bakar minus 163, Gaji plus 143. What are you thinking here? This is a fight that I've been wanting to play Abu a lot this whole like the whole time because i knew that omar gajiev was a fraud and i knew that shit from his contender fight um and i've cashed big on kyle at plus money against this guy 
but he's just a weird dude. Like, you know, I want to see at 170 what he's looking like, first of all. Um, he is a 93 kid, which I do value, but he just looks like a fraud 93 kid to me. And like the the issue is, I think there's some variance in this fight potentially because I don't know how much Abu likes fighting, to be honest with you. Like, I think they forced this guy to fight. Um, you know, if you look at some of his fights, like it's been a little picky, choosy matchups, in my opinion, overall for the guy. Um, you know, now that his uncle is no longer, this might be his last fight in the UFC. So I don't, I don't kind of want to play chalk on the guy. Um, but I think that he's better than Omar Gajiev. Um, and I think if they're on the feet, he's got better like range control and he's like more, um, okay with like a fight playing out on the feet. Whereas Gajiev, he's just like swinging out of his shoes. Like, I think he rushes some of the grappling a lot of times and leaves opportunity to be counter grappled. I mean, you saw when he took down Kyle, he like immediately got rolled over like a white belt. Um, so I'm leaning to Abu Bakar price, you know, it's coming in a little bit. So that makes me think that, you know, maybe some people have, you know, honed in on this guy, maybe potentially looking a little bit better at 170, um, having something to prove, you know, he's going against the Nurmagomedov. Like if it was me, that would definitely be something that would motivate me to to show up well. But I think I'm just passing the fight overall, maybe look to live at it. I think it potentially could be a close fight. I think this is some a fight where it could potentially be like 1-1 going into a third round, you know, two Russians, you know, a little bit competitive, striking, some clinching and stuff like that. But I kind of like the fight also to go the distance potentially because um, I don't think Abu has a lot of power. I don't think he has great grappling. I don't think he'll chase the finish when he is grappling in terms of submissions. Like I think if he gets a dominant position, he's more likely just to hold um, and, and kill the clock. Um, and, and I don't think it's going to be going to the ground like right away in any of the rounds. I think there, there will be, would be, or will be a fight for the takedown. So I'm going to look at this over a little bit more, um, and lean that way, but I would pick Abu probably to pick up the win. Um, but, uh, but I'm, I'm intrigued in this fight. I'm, I'm intrigued. So this is the first of Khabib's guys, I think, stepping in the cage, right. Of, of the night. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah. I mean, um. I agree with pretty much everything there. I mean, uh, Abu, you know, definitely doesn't seem like his, his he's fully in the fighting, you know, long layoffs only. Uh, I think this is going to be his what third fight in four years or something like that. Um, so that doesn't make it an easy spot to lay the chalk on, but I do think he has much more potential to, to cover his price tag here. Although maybe we're overreacting a little bit to Gadji's last fight because he just looks so horrible in that fight. But I feel like the market is kind of still respecting him a bit uh, with this pricing. You know, like you said, people seem to be betting him. Um, and, you know, the Nurmagomedov Madoff name not getting a huge fight favors Abu here, you know, uh, really in all areas. I mean, I think he's definitely going to be the better striker of the two. Abu's striking is actually, you know, really good. It's it's better than you'd expect from a Dagestan guy. Uh, you know, he's got he just stays a lot uh, more planted on his feet. And he's got good boxing, a nice jab you know, uh, beat up uh, Jared Gooden really badly on the feet. And with uh, Gadji, you know, showing that he can be put on bottom and stuck on bottom versus Kayo, I think Abu might be able to replicate that as well. Although Abu doesn't seem too uh, inclined to actually wrestle urgently in most of his fights. He kind of wants to strike. So um, 
I I think the Gadji moving down to 170 is you know probably a good move. The guy is a smaller uh, 185er, but he also has never gone down to 170 in his entire career. So this will be his first you know huge weight cut down to that. Uh, that could have an effect on him. And uh, you know Abu just you know uh, locked in training with all the, the the Dagestani guys. You know Islam Zuberia Bilal all in camp. You know all guys you know kind of around his size that are good good training partners as well. So I think you know Abu. Uh, will win fight and a line that you mentioned uh, that i hadn't really considered is gtd minus 165 i mean that puts uh the fight ending inside the distance at like 38 percent right how, how does this fight end itd 38 percent of the time i don't know i don't even know what the most common finish here is i, I so you know that's a good line i'm gonna bet that as well um gaji does not have good submission grappling like this guy like he'll go for wrestling, but like his sum he's not submitting Abu. Like if he submits Abu, Khabib needs to change this guy's fucking last name. Like this is that is no good. So yeah, I like that yeah. goes to this, but I'm gonna look more at Abu because if the line comes into like minus one fifty, I might have to do it. But well, I would definitely not bet on Omar Gachi. Yeah, I mean, I think even at this price, 163, 65, I mean, I think that could be good as well. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I just struggle to see many advantages for Omar Gadjiev here. Um, but the only thing, like I said, we're, we're uh, overreacting to how shit he looked in this last fight. Um, so next yeah, fight. Kyle, way be better the... grappler, great grappler, much bigger. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and then also like like you said, like he took him down and it was just an instant reversal. Then round two, I think he just like fell over and was on bottom and just like the fight just went as poorly as it possibly could go for him. So he has to look better here, you know. He can't look that bad again. Um, so next fight is in featherweight division. Zubaira Tuhugov taking on Lucas Almeida. The odds for this one have uh, Zubaira as the favorite, minus one fifty eight. Almeida coming back as the dog, plus one thirty eight. I think this line is. Uh, pretty accurate i i do favor zubaira in round one you know the guy is uh, a solid fighter when he's fresh but the story of his career is his cardio the guy just cannot seem to get that cardio on point and i'm not really sure it's ever going to get you know on point at this point because it's just been a problem for so long of his career i mean he's been gassing out in fights since it's like 2015 2016 and you saw in the the homos fight you know unanimously losing round three there again uh the Lerone Murphy fight, he slowed down late, and it just seems like this guy cannot go a hard 15 minutes. So I think you know you got to favor Almeida in the second half of the fight, especially him coming off that knockout round three over Trezano. Good win, uh, you know, good performance there. And I think he was he might have been dropping down to 145 in that fight. Uh, I think he was, and you know his his cardio looked good going the full 15. And uh, you know I do think Almeida probably will get taken down here. Maybe even has some issues with Zubaira on the feet because Zubaira is you know quick. He's got some decent boxing on the feet early on. So I think Zubaira will win the first round, maybe first round and a half. And you got to look for that Almeida live bet here if he's you know a. a 253 to one dog after round one, I would consider entering entering in on him live. And just generally that Almeida KO line is seven to one. Almeida KO two three. I think those odds are pretty good at like sixteen one and twenty-two one for Almeida. So some props to be betting here. I think it is a uh, a props or live better pass situation. Just not interested on laying that chalk on, on Zubaira uh with those cardio issues. Um 
Although, you know, Zubaira by decision, plus 165, not a bad way to play him because he does, does have that kind of lay and pray style. So uh, not no super strong thoughts on this one for me. What about you? Yeah, I like this fight. Um, you know, I've been looking at this fight a lot. Um, you know, to Hugov, I think this is a kind of a similar fight to the Ricardo Ramos fight. But the thing is, like, obviously Ramos has a lot more UFC experience. But I like some of the things that Almeida brings a bit more than Ramos does in the in the aspect of I like his hands better, um, you know, boxing wise. I think he could fight off the back foot a bit better. Um, and Tahugov is pretty aggressive early on. You know, he puts the guys in the back foot. He put, you know, he's pushing a lot of, lot of um, you know, aggression and a lot of pace on on uh, Ricardo Ramos in that first round. But his strike selection, like his, his the one what he uses is very kind of like meat and potatoes. Like he's jab, cross, jab, jab, cross. You know, like he doesn't throw too much uh, other than that. He is quick. Um, he has like a quick little step in left hook. Um, but you know, I don't know, like I don't know how uh, how well that's gonna go for him on a guy here who I think is pretty good on the counter, is ready at all times, you know, to 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 throw. I mean, you saw that knockdown at the end uh, against uh, Michael Trezano. This guy, you know, he read the cross coming in really well, and he throws a left hook behind it um, to to drop him. And Tuhugov does kind of like stay there a little bit, you know, after he he's throwing that that uh that right cross. So I think this there's volatility and variance in this fight. I think this 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 has a potential to be fight of the night as well just because i think there's going to be a lot of exchanges here and i'm liking the almeida side a little bit um you know i want a little bit bigger of a price i i feel that most people are on the uh Tuhugov side of things because they think that he can you know maybe uh, outstrike almeida as well as out wrestle him but i like some of the stuff that i see with almeida's grappling uh he he's shown me in his last two fights you know overcoming some adversity overall um, you know, and, and being in two tough fights there, um, he's got a black belt in jiu-jitsu on the ground. I think he has, he used some good gra- grappling, uh, in his last two fights, especially against Trezano. I like some of the, just the tendencies and things that he went for, um, in, in some of them. So I'm looking at the Almeida side. Um, I think that he could potentially stay in this fight on the feet. He's quick himself. Um, and he's good at kind of like filling in the gaps in time where, uh, you know, he's throwing the leg kick inside leg kick, you know, throwing body kicks. He goes to the body well with his hands as well. So if he could get, he could put Tuhugov on the back foot a little bit, um, early on, maybe make him, make him expend a little bit more energy than he planned. I think he could potentially pull away in this fight later on. Uh, so I, I'm going to sit on this a, a bit more, um, and see where the line goes, but I'm liking some of the things that I see at Almeida. I think this guy's going to win UFC fights and, uh, it might start this weekend. So um, I'll, I'll, def- I'll pick the Almeida side and, you know, I'm going to, I'll probably have a little bit of a money line play on him and maybe something on the, you know, KO line as well. Yeah. And then just two points about that. Um, You know, Zubaira has fought in these, you know, Abu Dhabi type of, you know, conditions a few times and he's not getting favorable judging in, in these, uh, you know, he's not getting like a hometown decision or anything like that because the, uh, the Leroy Murphy fight and, um, the uh Dewadu fight he both you know kind of uh the, the judges were kind of favoring the other fighters in those fights and not really giving him any favoritism and then the last point i'll say though is you know almeida in retrospect that loss to zell hooper definitely not a good look with how zell hooper looked in this last fight but i mean i think zell hooper just looked like a completely different fighter in that fight uh, as opposed to what we saw versus um that fella what's like a trey ogden recently so um that'll 
move us along to light heavyweight division. Volkan Ozdemir Krylov. Krylov is the favorite here. Minus 175. Volkan Ozdemir plus 150. Ozzy, I know you're excited for this one. Let's hear some thoughts on it. Uh, it's another fight that I like. Um, I'm surprised, actually, these guys have, hadn't fought uh, up until here. You know, uh, Krylov looked good in his last fight, even though, you know, Alex is a little bit washed. I mean, the guy just came out like a bat out of hell, you know, looking for any any and every opportunity to find that chin, you know, and, and put strikes on uh, Gustafson. But I feel like since this guy's coming back to UFC, he just looks way better. Like, I think he's improving uh, still. This guy's a big, light heavyweight. He's a uh, six foot three, big reach on him. Uh, and he's honestly low-key a, a triple threat. He can strike on the, on the outside. He's got good kicks and punches. You know, he's dangerous in the clinch. And then he could wrestle too. And, you know, once he does get on top, you know, he, he'll keep you down. He'll throw some good ground and pound. You know, he did get caught by Paul Craig, but no, 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 uh, no shame in that. And I just feel overall Volkan's a little washed to me. And I think that he can't really, like, he just looks slow um, against uh, Paul Craig. He didn't look like he really wanted to pull the trigger. I don't know why, like, he, like, at a certain point, a lot of the danger from Paul Craig went a bit out the window in terms of like when they're on the feet, you know what I mean? Like he just did not look like he was uh, ready to pull the trigger. Like his reflexes just looked a little slow to me. Um, I don't know. Look, look strange to me, uh, especially off that Ankalaya fight where I think it was like a similar case there where, you know, he, he had some opportunities, but then he wasn't taking them. And, you know, I think it's happened to him a bunch of times. Like the guy, the only time he really looked good is against like Latifi. Like, I just don't like anything I've seen from him out of any of these fights. And if you even go back to like his past fights, like he won, you know, these quick fights against Jimmy Manawa and Misha Serkinov, like, like are, are those really good wins in retrospect? So I think Nikita Krylov is the side in this fight. You know, he is, he has been a little bit unreliable. But I think that's in the past. I think this guy, you know, he's 30 years old uh, still, or he just turned 30, or I think he just turned 30. So I think he, at, at, at the time, in the timeline of actual, like, light heavyweights, I think he's still on the up, you know, on the up and up. And I don't think Volkan is the same anymore. So, you know, usually uh, Krilov's biggest issue has been getting grappled, like, or, or, or um, staying in the grappling too long. But I just, obviously, Volkan does not offer really much anything there in terms of offensive grappling, in my opinion. Um, and I don't think that he's knocking out Nikita Krilov. So um, I, I like Krilov in this fight. I think that he could potentially finish, um, what's his name, of Volkan as well. So I like that almost four to one price for a knockout here for, for Krilov, because even if he you know, uh, take some uh, Volkan down. I think Volkan's bad enough off his back that uh, he could potentially be in a bad position there to get finished with uh, with strikes as well. So I'm going to be on the Krilov side. I bet a little bit at minus 170. Uh, I think he's good up until like 190-ish. You know, it's not, a, I'm not saying this is like a huge edge here, but uh, but I think he's definitely the side here and I'm pretty sure he's going to win this fight. Yeah, I'm in agreement there. I think that, uh, you know, Krylov should be the favorite to win. And, you know, this price is pretty good, honestly. And I could really see Krylov winning in all three ways. And the prices kind of reflect that. You know, KO 390, sub 360, uh, decision 350. They're all kind of priced right around the same uh, way because Krylov is truly, you know, that multifaceted type of fighter where he could win all three ways. I think he's got the, you know, the better athleticism and speed at this point. Uh, it's probably going to be throwing more strikes and got the more reliable cardio. So that should favor him if it goes to the decision. Um, and Volkan just looks slow against Craig. I mean, this guy... Um, 
probably is past his prime. Uh, like you were saying, he, some of the, his his early wins, those quick knockouts over Manawa, you know, he probably just high rolled his entire career off of a few bonk wins like that. And uh, he's been hanging around off of those wins ever since. Although in retrospect, is uh, Ira Latifi. I mean, he beat the brakes off of Latifi and made it look pretty easy there. So, um, I think uh, Karlov can win in all three ways. I'm kind of leaning. Um, I'm kind of leaning decision, honestly. I think Volkan might be just tough enough to to kind of hang around. And I, I, he seems like the guy. Once he's losing, like say he's on bottom at one point in this fight, I don't see him really selling out to try to get back up to his feet. I could kind of see him laying on ba- his back and kind of accepting bottom position and waiting to see the end of the rounds and waiting to to see that decision. So I don't really have a take on which method Krylov is going to win. I'm leaning decision, but I'm not going to be betting it. I think, honestly, just money line is the way to stick with Krylov. I think if this line keeps coming in anymore, it'll be an easy spot. But uh, as, you, as you said, it you know anything under 190, I think, is good. Anything under 2 to 1, I think you could even go as high as you know 225, 250 here for Krylov. Uh, I mean, I, I favor him in this fight. And I think the only way he's going to lose is knockout. Uh, you know, as he said, he, he does not. But I think that's the way he has to win. I think that any other, uh, I don't, uh, Ozdemir submitting him, it seems, you know, virtually impossible. And I just don't see this fight uh, going his way if it goes to the scorecards. Uh, I just think the activity and the athleticism of Krylov is going to be uh, winning these rounds and uh, winning him the fight ultimately. So uh, in Ukraine, we trust and uh, he will probably get it done. Um, two prelims left, uh, 185 division, middleweight division, Mahmoud Muradov taking on Kyle Bohio. Really good fight here. Uh, Bohio minus 191, Muradov plus 166. Um, so, I mean, really compelling matchup here. You got Muradov who hasn't fought in a while after taking his first loss in a long time to GM3. Uh, you know, kind of got obliterated in that fight. Although I think re-watching that fight earlier today, there are uh, maybe an, one or two asterisks to to mention about that fight because um Muradov in his first three UFC fights, Dekirko and um, Sanchez and that other guy he beat up, he uh he took a was throwing like single shots, jab, one, two. He wasn't using a lot of energy. He wasn't throwing a lot of strikes. And it seemed like he was kind of conserving his gas tank uh, for those later rounds. And he did score some round three knockouts in those fights. Uh, but the GM3 fight was the first time he really like came forward and, and tried to put some pressure on his opponent from the jump. And I don't know if he could really keep that pace because uh, he, he, he did slow down in that fight. But he also did get eye poked once. He did get kicked in the nuts once and uh, GM3 was able to take that time to recover and then just you know get right on Muradov after that was hurting him with some strikes and then eventually you know took him down and choked him out rather easily there uh, in that second round but the reason why this matchup I think is difficult to really predict is because Muradov I don't think we've ever seen him on his back early in the fight without being hurt like we've never seen him actually get cleanly taken down early on and have to see his way work uh we have to see how he works his way back up to the feet. I don't think we've ever seen that. And that's what you really want to see as Bohio is very likely going to take him down. It's just a matter of can Muradov work his way back up to the feet? Can he stay safe enough to avoid that submission? And it's going to be a tall task because Bohio is a really good control grappler and he's got good good wrestling, good timing on his wrestling. I was uh, on Petrosian against a uh, Bohio and uh, Kyle just timed his takedown so well in that fight and just, you know, took the sales, uh, took the wind right out of uh, Petrosian's sails just right away in that fight by just taking him down a minute in and just suffocating him for four minutes. 
And, you know, the fight was pretty much over after that. Um, but, you know, the striking is going to be real interesting here. I think Muradov has the edge on the feet, although the, the southpaw striking of Kyle could give Muradov some advantages. And uh, Muradov's a good athlete, man. He, he's he's light on his feet. But I think that's a bit of a detriment here because he has that that light on his feet style, that in-and-out striking style. And I think that's just going to allow Kyle to kind of get a rhythm of his movement and then time that good double leg takedown and get Muradov down and put him flat on the mat. And after that, I think it should be, you know, pretty one here so uh, i'm leaning kayo or pass at this price i think it's just like one takedown for kayo and he could be a minus 600 favorite in the live lines while murdoff's gonna need a, a lot of things to go right for him to win this fight so it's a compelling matchup i'm interested to see how this one goes um but i'm thinking it's gonna be um it's gonna be bohio here bohio sub at 462 you know not bad for you know i think that the the range of how bad of a grappler Muradov here is pretty big. He could be not as bad as we thought from the GM3 fight, or he could be, you know, uh, very bad and get submitted here easily. So 460 is pretty good on FanDuel for Ohio sub. Cool fight here. Um, you know, we got Brazilian Chad. He's been looking good. You know, a surprise to me when he popped up in Tamayev and Darren, Darren uh, Till's, you know, vlogs and shit like that. I really didn't see that coming. Um, but you know, apparently he went over to Sweden. He's been training there a lot. So obviously he's been working on his wrestling. I would assume he's working on that conditioning, right? Even Chemaev's program even could get Darren Till's fat ass in shape. So I can only imagine what it could do to a stud like Kyle Bahio. Um, and I think he's, uh, I, I I'm intrigued by this fight and his, his line overall. It is coming down a little bit now. Um, and, you know, Murdov, like you said, he does have some skills. You know, he's like a classically trained boxer, moves around pretty well on the feet. Um, and he does throw some some nice shots in there. You know, he's got a quick jab. You know, he 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 comes forward with that cross and that, that left hook behind it very often. But, I mean, just some of the counter grappling or like grappling in terms of where you're trying to get it, keep it in like a neutral um, position just has not looked good to me overall um and i think that kyle you know i i think i underrated his grappling a little bit off of what i saw like in that jeffrey fight and some of those other fights you know beforehand but the guy's an a plus grappler let's not be mistaken i've seen some some footage of him gra grappling with some really really high level guys and doing very very well holding his own and more than that so i think this guy might be the new age damian maya honestly with like some more double leg takedowns he times his takedowns pretty well he hit those double legs he's got some judo as well so i think that he's in a, uh, and and the thing with murdov is he moves back a lot when he's you know sometimes when you are throwing strikes at him he's not a guy where he kind of like sits and, and looks to counter that much his, his striking comes more when he's coming forward um, you saw that uh, a little bit with the Sanchez fight when he's or uh, in the GM three fight when he's kind of like winging shots, but his defense is actually not that great. Like he he get he gets hit on the button, you know, uh, quite a bit, especially with straight shots. So I'm thinking Kyle's gonna get some respect with the hands, eventually take this guy down, and then when he does take guys down, he's really good at elevating uh, the legs, you know, uh, keeping the hips flat on the mat, um, and flanking you know, flanking you. And that's why he gets to the, to the back, uh, often and a lot. Um, you know, when you're, you're 
if you shelf those legs, it's just really hard for these guys to get up. And then as they try to do that or as they try to recover, you know, he's coming off to the side and he's circling around, you know, and once he's there, I think he's he's really, really strong in those positions. So I like Kyle in this fight. The line's coming in more and more. You know, I know some sharp guys that did take some of that Murdoff lines at like plus like two two ten or whatever it was, two fifteen. Um, but I like Kyle here. I think I'm gonna play him as well. Um, just because I, I, I just think on the feet, he's going to be able to neutralize some of the big strikes that Muradov throws. And I do not think that Muradov is going to be able to escape some of these takedowns that are going to come his way, whether that be him, you know, being against the fence and getting taken down over there, or it's him getting taken down and double-legged, you know, in the open space. So I got Kyle here. I think I'm going to lay that chalk money line. I think he's good juice compared to the other guys, even though, Murdoff is a good fighter. I think the margins for Kyle are, uh, are are much bigger here, and uh, I think he's going to get a dominant win. Who was that um that grappler you were talking about that you saw Kyle going with? Who you were really impressed he was, with? He was grappling with uh, this guy named Muhammad Ali, not like not the dead one, you know, R.I.P. <laughs> R.I.P. Cassius, but uh, the, he used to train with Lord Irvin, black belt, world champion, uh, multiple time Abu Dhabi, you know, competitor. Um, and they were training when uh, when ADCC was in town uh, a few weeks back, like a month ago. Uh, it was like a closed training session. It was like Damian Maya was there, Mika Galvao, you know, all those guys. And uh, and Kyle basically outgrappled the guy. And this guy is like 240 pounds of like pure muscle. It's hmm. a good sign. Um, but I feel like Murdov might be continuing to get action here. It seems like the market is kind of liking Murdov more than the Kyle side. So uh, maybe just wait to see where that price goes. Oh, and the uh, over one and a half was crazy price. I was like minus one. I, I got a little minus one sixty five. Um, that price is gone. But yeah, I, I is, thought that yeah, yeah. Just to hedge the side of maybe Murdoff, his grappling is better, and you know he just gets body triangled. But I like Kyle here. I'll have a bigger play yeah. on Kyle than the over. It moved. Yeah, I would have. I would have bet that too if I could get it at you know minus one seventy. Now it's two ten. You know, not as easy of a play to make there, but it's still inevitably going to hit, I think. Um, that's going to take us to the last fight in the prelims. Arguably one of the best fights on the UFC prelims ever, honestly. Like, it reminds me of that time, like, Pedro Munoz versus Dominic Cruz was on the prelims. But we got, uh, honestly, number one contender fight at welterweight, Bilal Muhammad taking on Sean Brady. Welterweight division here, Sean Brady minus 130, Bilal Muhammad plus 110. And it's going to be your turn to start this one off, Ozzy. Let's hear some thoughts. Yeah, sick fight. I love. I like both guys. I made, you know, good money on both guys. You know, Bilal is on a good run here. Um, you know, the Wonder Boy fight and the Luke fight especially, you know, he looked good uh, in those fights. But, you know, he was the underdog. Don't get it twisted. He was a, a pretty sizable underdog in both. You know, I really liked him in the Luke fight just because I thought that, you know, he's going to be able to, you know, be okay on the feet enough. And then, you know, grappling wise like luke just he just can't grapple like he just no take down the fence and then when he is on his back like he doesn't offer anything from there um you know in this fight though like it's a fight where like i just can't go against sean brady until i see someone beat him you know a lot of people they'll bring up the michael kiesa fight where you know he he did his striking did not look all great but kiesa man he's like a weird guy to fight he's got those go-go gadget arms you know first southpaw i feel also that Sean Brady had fought at the at the time, and it's just a little bit difficult sometimes to get the range on those guys, land the same the the same kind of punches that you usually can. But when they get in tight, man, this dude Brady's an absolute hammer on the ground. 
um, and in the clinch and with these takedowns. Like, he's just really, really good um, with his grappling. Like, I'm telling you, like, these guys, like, Brendan Allen's been over there. You know, uh, Randy Brown, uh, Neil Magny. There's a reason these guys are going over there to train with Sean Brady. And I'll tell you from seeing, like, here in the scene, these guys all get dominated. Not like I don't want to cite anybody, but Sean Brady's really, really, you know, beating these guys up in terms of their grappling, you know. And the issue that I see here with Bilal, Bilal is super well rounded, but the fact that he doesn't have a lot of power, I think, um, is gonna not deter Sean Brady from eventually just being able to walk him down, get get him against the fence, get some double leg takedowns, pull him away, and take him down. And when he does go down, the thing with Bilal is, yeah, he's shown good balance. But some of the ways that he tries to get up is just going to lead, I feel, to the same kind of series that you saw him catch on, like, uh, Jake Matthews, where, you know, you've got, like, that single... It's very Khabib-esque, honestly. you got that single-leg ride. You know, you're, 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 uh, you're, you're coming over for the handcuff, right, the, the, the wrist trap on the backside, and you're just getting the guy flat and starting to hammer away on him. So most of the takes that I see from people are like leaning on the fact that they think that Brady's going to get tired and Bilal's going to start putting it on him, which could happen. You know, Bilal, he's got great cardio. When he is on the front foot, he looks good, man. He, you know, he, he's got a lot of pressure, but a lot of these guys, like they don't have that much to offer, you know, in terms of like coming back at him. And in this big cage, like, is he really going to be able to walk a guy like Sean Brady down? Like Sean Brady does have some power on the feet. I think, you know, Boxing-wise, if these guys are just exchanging, I think that Brady can definitely hold his own. And I think he's just going to be able to control the pace of the fight more than a lot of the opponents that Bilal has had in the past. And I think that Bilal's grappling is actually weaker than people uh, actually think in terms of defensively. You know, on offense is good, but like Damian Maia takes them down early in their fight and... You know, in that position that they kind of get in and Bilal gets back up, I feel like positions like that is Brady all day. Is Brady going to be able to, you know, really, really uh, enforce his will on Bilal? Um, and it's just going to be a matter of can Bilal get away a few times? And then when he is, you know, in space, like what is what is his game plan going to be? Is he going to be back on the front foot and being very aggressive? Is he going to kind of like wait? and and kind of like just try to jab and pick away at Brady but the thing is I feel like Brady's coming in with a good game plan I think some of the strikes that he throws really leads well into his grappling um and I just think that he's gonna end up pulling away with this fight starting to put some strikes on him I got a little bit of Brady at minus 125 early on on uh, DraftKings at the mine at anything under minus 135 I think I'm gonna add in a little bit of play I'm not gonna make this a big bet because I respect both guys. I think Bilal has some good skills here. And I do think that he could potentially beat Brady because, you know, if Brady does slow down, like, you know, I haven't really seen Brady too much on the defense with the grappling. And Bilal does have some legitimate grappling offense. Um, you know, you saw that in kind of like this Wonder Boy fight and those fights. So we'll see how it plays out. I think that Brady is going to be able to be on the offense a bit more early on um and, and get out to a lead over Bilal. Um but it's a fight that I'm you know really intrigued by. I'm intrigued to see how Brady uh looks to counter Bilal when when they are striking on the feet. Um because I do think that he has better striking to show than he has uh that than has take taken place in the UFC overall. And I think Bilal is a little bit peaked uh here. Um and I think that the the fear of Sean Brady's grappling I think is going to be a detriment to Bilal and like all his preparation here. I think he's been preparing defensive grappling a lot. 
And I don't know how much he's actually been working on him, you know, attacking and, you know, on the feet, especially with his boxing and stuff like that. So I'm on the Sean Brady side, and uh, I think that uh, he's going to take home this uh, this win. Yeah, I'm in agreement. I think Sean is the the side here. Um, you know, I think he should probably be closer to 170, 190 here instead of 130, 140. So, um, you know, there's pretty significant value on his line where it's at now. I'm just seeing the Bilal fight. When he fought Damian Maya, you, you see Damian Maya attempt single leg attempts. You see him get uh, Bilal back to the cage. You see kind of put Bilal against the cage and keep him there for at least a, you know a few minutes or something like that so i think that if damian Maya at the age of you know 41 42 uh is able to do that um real quick ozzy can you just reset the mic it's echoing a little bit um so if uh if damian Maya was able to do that at the age of 42 i think you know sean brady's going to be able to do it as well because i think the the strength advantage here for Brady is just going to be really, really significant. I think he he is much stronger than Bilal, and you're going to see it in those those clinching and grappling positions. You're going to see Brady just being able to to you know get the body lock and just pin Bilal against the fence, and likely be able to take him down as well. Um, now, rewatching the Brady fight against Kiesa, it actually wasn't as bad of a look as I once remembered because you know I kind of remembered Brady you know getting his ass kicked in round three there, but he actually took Kiesa down and got a back take for you know a few minutes of that round. Um, it, he did get pieced up a little bit at the end and maybe at the beginning of the as well, but he still was able to get a takedown and a back take in a round where he you know was struggling. So I think that Brady. That the issues around Brady, you know, his cardio and his striking are a little bit overblown after that last Kiesa fight. Um, but I do recognize that that is the way that Brady is going to lose here is that he's going to probably get tired and lose the, the later rounds. Um, but as he was saying something about Bilal's offensive grappling, I mean, Bilal shot like 15 takedowns on Diego Lima and he hit like one of them. So like his offensive grappling, um, I don't think it is that good, especially when it's um, especially when. Uh, it's the the sole thing he's going after. So he's good at blending in his 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 striking with his grappling. But when he's purely grappling and going for that that takedown, I don't think his wrestling is that good. And I don't think he has really good drive through his takedowns once he gets in on that attempt. So he might get in on Brady's legs, but I don't think he's going to be finishing a takedown here. I mean, Brady would have to be pretty gassed for Blaw to actually get him down. And uh, the striking is is going to be I do give an advantage to Blaw. And, uh, you know, ball just doesn't hurt people, guys. You know, he's I think for a guy to be Brady, I think it's going to have to be a guy with really good footwork who can avoid being stuck on the fence and who also can sting Brady with shots at distance to, you know, hurt him and discourage him from getting close enough to shoot him. That's just not Bilal, man. The guy does not hit hard. And I just feel Bilal's chances at finishing this fight are extremely, extremely low. So if Bilal is going to win, it's going to have to be by decision. And I don't favor him to win round one. And so he's going to have to win round two and three. So that's why I think the price on Brady is good. Is I'm recognizing there's a path for him to lose. But I just think it's a lot less likely than the odds are indicating now. Brady at around you know 55%, I think, is generous. I think it should be... Um, easily over 60% for Sean here. So uh, I'm, I think Sean's going to keep the undefeated streak going. I think he's going to win by decision. It'll probably be 29-28 decision for Brady, you know, winning the first two rounds, maybe dropping the last one. Um, but I, I like Sean here. And that's going to be the first on the main card. That's going to be in the women's flyweight division. Caitlin Chukagian taking on Manon Fierot. The odds for this one, Manon Fierot minus 205. Caitlin Chukagian plus 175. 
Um, so, you know, Caitlin is Bay. Clearly, um, she's, you know, one of the greatest fighters on the women's roster, one of the hottest women on the UFC roster. Um, and I just love Caitlin. Just love her. You know, cash that ticket on her, minus 136 in her last fight. You know, incredible bet. Um, wasn't even close to losing there against uh, against uh, Rebos. And um, I, I'm going to be uh, throwing another, you know, unit and a quarter on her here. At uh, I got plus 176. Um, actually, uh, actually, ca- for what it's worth, eh, I'm not even going to say it, but um, the line did bounce back up to like 190, 185 at one point. Uh, so you know, people are are liking Fiero, but rewatching Fiero's fight, so I, I had this image in Fiero in my mind because she beat the piss out of Jennifer Maya, right? She, you know, smashed her in the feet, took her down. Um, I had in my mind. And that image, but I rewatch her other fights, man. She is not as good as this market is pricing her to be, and not as good as I once thought off of that Maya fight. If you go back and rewatch the the Bueno Silva fight, I mean, what the fuck is is Firo doing in that fight? I mean, she throws jab uh, jab cross hook maybe fifty straight times at one point in that fight. It's just like she has no variation in her strike. Uh, so I think that 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 stupid little boxing that that three punch combinations that's not going to be working on chuk i think chuk is not going to be really uncomfortable at boxing range i think honestly chuk might be the better boxer of the two um theoroid striking success i think it's going to come a lot around kicks it's going to be um body kicks those kicks to the chest kicks to the tits and everything like that those can be very effective uh for theoroid but i think when they're in like boxing range i think these exchanges are going to be really even and then you know, so maybe a, a slight advantage to Fiero on the feet because she hits harder. Um, but I mean, it's a very slight advantage, 60-40 maybe. So, and then grappling. Now, both women could hit takedowns here, but I think the the Chukagian's ability to hold the takedowns is much higher than Fiero because if you watch Chukagian versus Rebos, she gets taken down a few times there, but she does a good job working her way back up to the feet. She has the much better jujitsu of Fiero. So let's say she gets taken down by Fiero here. She can just, you know, grab a single leg, work her way back up to the feet. She doesn't have to be worried about any types of chokes or anything from Fiero because Chukagian can avoid those those chokes all day. So if any woman gets taken down here, I just have much better confidence in Chukagian to actually get up from those takedowns and get back to her feet. While Fiero, you know, we really haven't seen much footage of her on her back, not really since like her pre-UFC fights. And I think that she could potentially get stuck on her back for long periods of time here. Let's not forget, Chukagian can use her top game to win fights like she did against uh, Antonina Shevchenko. Just, you know, made that fight look easy, dominated it with her grappling. And, you know, she has been training her wrestling a lot more seriously lately. Her husband is a wrestling coach, and she's just been, you know, focusing on wrestling a lot for the past two or three years. And I think it could really show here. So this line, plus 175, is pretty fucking nuts, in my opinion. I mean, I think... Fiero, uh, minus 130, minus 150, that would be acceptable. But, you know, 205, man, get the fuck out of here. I'm easily betting on Chukagin in this fight. I think she makes it close, and, you know, hopefully she'll pull off the victory. You said you think that Chukagin is in a win? Yes. Okay, interesting. I mean, this fight, I mean, I don't like Manon Fiero. I don't like her because, like you said, I pointed out that jab, cross, hook, spam, and, like, I think she needs to grapple. Chukagin here to look good, you know, overall. Because Chukagin, like the fa- like the fact that she is a good grab, she just got her jujitsu black belt, but she'll accept the bottom. I just don't like I don't think that Firo like looks great in any of these fights. Like she looks like a good athlete. She looks like actually like Kelvin Gaslam, uh 
wise, like her body. She's just like a weird looking girl. Um, but I don't think she's particularly skilled in any real facet of MMA. I don't really think strategically she's even all that good. Um, you know, this is a Southpaw versus Orthodox matchup. So I'm interested to see how many kicks Chu Kagan um, does throw out there and how she needs to just take control of this fight early on. Like, you don't let this girl, you know, get off volume on you. Um, on In the in-between spaces, like, you know, uh, Furo is is big on throwing strikes and she, she's not really been popped in the mouth all that much um, by girls. And I think that Chu Kagan with her, you know, clean one-twos and, and, and some of the boxing that she uh, puts out there could give her some trouble here. Um, but, like, I haven't pulled the trigger yet on Chukagian just because like I said she could be a little bit sometimes content with like laying on her back you know she did that against uh uh Hibas and you know I didn't like how she got like she got like head and arm thrown at one point and that's never a good sign but man Chukagian by decision that shit pays the bills so I think I think I have to play a little bit of that um, and maybe even a little bit on the money line, just cause Firo, like she, she just looks like a bonehead to me. Like, I feel like she could get submitted. I feel like she could get rocked with a punch. Like she, there's been no adversity in this woman's career, uh, for the most part. Um, and I don't really think that she's all, all that proven to be like a two to one favorite over a girl like Caitlin Chukagian, who's been around the ringer, has fought a lot of good girls. Um, I think she has a little bit of, of a reach advantage here as well. Um, or maybe the same reach. I don't know. But it's not like Ro is she's like got three inches of reach. She, yeah, she's got three inches of reach. She's uh, shown to to beat a lot of girls that, you know, just if, if they're letting her in the fight, like Chukagian will find a way to make the fight close. So I'll pick Chukagian, technical perspective, not a big big one that I've uh, invested a lot of time into. I just don't think that Firo is a well thought out fighter overall um and i do think chukagian is so hopefully she implements her normal game plan with a little bit extra volume early on and builds up a lead if she has a lead i think that i think firo could put herself in in trouble here so i hope she she does that and if you just look at chukagian's career i mean literally every fight she's either won lost a split decision well, and then she got finished by Shevchenko. That was dominant. But even the Andrade fight, like she was doing well against Andrade before getting finished. So she's had like 15 fights in the UFC, and all of them except one against Shevchenko has been extremely competitive. So you're getting plus 176 on one of the most competitive and consistent women in the UFC. I think you know, I think it's a pretty easy bet to make. He's and literally like said, fought. She's fought two glove sniffers in her last two fights. Like Chukagian's just way more quick and agile and smarter on the feet than fucking jennifer maya and mario bueno silva like that stuff that she's been doing is not working on chukagan in my opinion i think this girl's gonna get punched up touched up on the feet i could be wrong like to, like to hear uh one of the bits in the card next uh lightweight division benil daryush taking on mateusz gamrot the odds for this one gamrot's the favorite minus 190 benil daryush plus 165 ozzy your turn to start this one off of this fight is this other than the Sean Brady fight, this is another fight that I that I really, really like on the card. And I've been doing a lot of, you know, looking into it. And I'm a Gamrock guy. I've been a Gamrock guy through and through. I think I've bet him on literally every one of his fights, especially in his, his last fight against Armin, but as well against CDF. Um, and, you know, the guy's great, you know, with, with the transitions, right? He's able to get in on the takedowns pretty well. Um, you know, he fights from both stances as well, which is which is nice to see. Uh, nice to see uh, sometimes, but I think Benil, I think he's going to come out 
guns are blazing here. I think that on the feet with with the strikes that he puts out there, I don't think Gamrot's really faced the guy that has the kind of boxing and, and the hands that uh, that Benil does. And Benil's just a born fighter, man. This guy, he's really, really well-rounded. He originally started with a jiu-jitsu base, and he was one of the best grapplers around. I think he would have probably been ADCC level, like Gamrot got to, um, if he had just stayed that path. But his wrestling has really improved uh, as he's you know gone on uh, and, and went into his UFC career. Um, and I don't think it's going to be easy for Gamrot to get takedowns on him uh, stay on top of him and score points. That's the thing with uh, when he was taking down Armin, he wasn't really controlling or like landing ground strikes. And I think Armin or um, Benny is a better, you know, grapple grappler than um, than uh, Armin is in terms of just you know being able like submission grappling overall. So I think he's going to be able to potentially counter Gamrot, stay on the feet, and touch this guy up. Uh, you know with his you know coming from the southpaw stance you know Gamrot he switches stances a lot he's not really a comfortable striker in either of the stances but when this guy's in the orthodox stance in my opinion his his striking just looks very very much subpar so I'm looking for Benio to put on some put down some power strikes on this guy hopefully his cardio could hold up a little bit you know he's been scheduled he's been scheduled for five rounds against Islam earlier in this year he's been scheduled against Oliveira I think this guy's the guy I think his window though is kind of closing a little bit here so this might be the last chance to kind of get him uh, at a plus money price here against a guy like this but how I rate these guys I just can't come in a three-round fight to to where this is at right now this is like the same price that I bet uh, Gamma against CDF and I just have Benil rated way higher and it's not like I'm I've upgraded uh Gamrot that much off the Armin win. So I like Benio here. I think I might have a little, maybe close to two units on him. I haven't pulled the trigger yet, but uh, but I think this is a good, potentially a good fight for him. Uh, and I think that uh, he's going to look good on the feet here uh, against Gamrot. Yeah, I like I like uh, Daryush here as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I think a point to make to make about this fight is, so the Gamrot fight against Sarukian is if that fight ended after three rounds, um, you know, some people would have had a 3-0 Sarukian, some would have had a 2-1 Sarukian. And really, the what changed that, that fight, the fourth and fifth round, where uh, Gamrot had way more five-round experience, and he put a, a pace on Sarukian, and he tired him out, and he won rounds four and five to steal that decision. And a similar thing would probably happen here against Daryush, that the rounds four and five would probably favor Gamrot, and the the fight would go his way a lot uh, more favorably over five rounds. But this fight is three rounds, and I think the market is kind of pricing in that that big cardio advantage for Gamrot as if it were a five-round fight. Um, but it's not. It's three rounds. And I mean, I think Benil Daryush is extremely live to win the fight in a three-round fight. I would say he's, you know, the 70% favorite to win round one. Gamrot's probably 70% to win round three. It's probably going to be a 29-28 a for either guy here. And I just think that you're getting plus 165 on a guy that's probably going to win round one. And all he has to do is win, you know, two out of three rounds to uh, to win this fight here. Because Gamrot finishing Daryush seems very unlikely to me. I um, mean, you know, a submission for Gamrot seems pretty out of the question. And Anak seems rather unlikely too as well uh, because Gamrot just doesn't hit that hard. I think Daryush hits significantly harder. I think Daryush's striking arsenal is a lot more varied. He he mixes it up with kicks and knees. I mean, he has got really good knees actually. Um, it, you know, he hurts CDF with the knee to the body really badly. And his punches are hard too. He's got a real power behind his left hand. So, uh, you know, Daryush, he, he hits harder to me. He's the more varied striker. I think he's got the, the much better jujitsu of the two. And 
I mean, I think his, um, you know, the wrestling is really where the fight is probably the most even. Gamrot is really gifted at scrambling and defending takedowns. But with Daryush mixing in the jiu-jitsu and his control grappling, I think he's going to get this fight on the floor and he's going to control Gamrot for short periods of time here. I don't think he's going to, you know, blanket him for the full five minutes of a round, but I think he will mix in takedowns he will get those takedowns and he will get some meaningful control while Gamrot might take down Daryush for you know a second or two here but I just don't see Gamrot um keeping him down because Gamrot's top game his top control has never been that good he he kind of consistently takes guys down and doesn't really have that strong of an idea on how to keep them down and how to maximize his chances with that position so I think that Daryush is keeping this the takedowns here has more upside and I think Daryush is just going to fight for your money here at plus 165. Um, I think he, you know, obviously I think he's going to win the fight. I think it will be 29-28, picking up the first two rounds and dropping that last one. And, uh, you know, I would be surprised to see Gamrot cover his price tag here. He might um, maybe drop round one, pull back rounds two and three, and look like a slight favorite. But, man, him looking like a 65% favorite against Benio Daryush, I, I think that's off. And, you know, the reason why the price is like this is Gamrot's more active. He came off that Saruki win Daryush hasn't fought in almost a year and a half his last win was against Tony Ferguson uh you know he looks old he's got the gray hair and I think the market is just kind of historically underrated Benio Daryush in most of his fights uh you know he was only like, like minus 160 to Ferguson in that fight he was a pick him to CDF um pick him to like Jakar Close or something like that maybe so I just think the market is consistently underrating uh, Daryush and they're doing it again here so give me Benny at plus 165 I think that's a solid bet I've told these guys multiple times. The guy's not old, all right? He's 30. There's a two-year age difference here. The guy's never lost a decision, okay? So, like, I'm riding the Benny train. Like, if Gamrot wins, great. I love him. But I'm telling you that I'm not sure this guy should be a two-to-one favorite over a guy like Benil Darush. Many should. So. Hell no, he shouldn't. And that's going to take Hell us to the next fight in the Bantamweight division. Peter Yan taking on Sean O'Malley. Hilarious fight. Uh, Peter Yan minus 265. Sean O'Malley plus 225. I mean, I think Yan is going to destroy this guy. I mean, I think it has potential to be close for a few minutes early on here because Yan does kind of start slow. He starts to, you know, make reads and then he starts to make his move in the fight. But this is a three round fight. First three round fight for Peter in a while. And I think he'll uh, hopefully he'll up the tempo and the, the pressure from the jump here and not let it, his opponents get started like he's been doing in his five round fights. Uh, but I mean, I just don't see how Sean O'Malley is going to win this fight. Um, I mean, his, O'Malley's chances about grappling Jan are, are zero. There's no chance he can land takedowns or have grappling success. O'Malley's success is going to be strictly limited to the feet here. And, you know, O'Malley can't check leg kicks. He That's, you know, a, a big problem of his that he see, can't seem to, to get over. Uh, I think Jan can take O'Malley down if he wants to. I think Jan hits harder of the two. Uh, I mean, yeah, O'Malley is going to, for him to win, he's going to have to stick and move and use his length and use his volume to outstrike Peter Jan for two out of three rounds. And I just think that's, that's just, you know, not possible. So I think Jan is going to win. I think he's probably going to cover minus 250. If it keeps coming in, I will be forced to bet Peter Jan's money line. I mean, anything under 250, anything under 70%, I think is golden. I mean, I really cap him closer to, you know, 77% here. So, uh, you know, I, I think Jan's going to destroy this guy. Uh, I don't know if he'll finish him. He, he doesn't really have the greatest finishing ability. So I think it'll be decision for Jan. 
a inter- fascinating fight. You know, I really did not see a fight like this, you know, manifesting, you know, a guy that they obviously love in, in O'Malley. But I guess they're feeling like if he loses, you know, no hair off their back. Um, I'm really intrigued in this one just because I'm intrigued with like the uh, style or like the approach that O'Malley's going to have here. You know, what I do like about O'Malley is the guy's got really quick hands and he kind of, you know, some of these short hooks that he throws like from the opposite stance, from like the lefty stance and how he kind of shifts sometimes looks good. But the uh, issue for him here is that I don't think Jan is going to accept the back foot uh, all too much. And when he does throw, like the guy's just really good at keeping the pressure on you, hitting you from multiple different angles. Um, you know, he'll, he'll dive into the clinch, you know, at different uh, points and opportunities as well. You know, and he does look to wrap up and use his grappling, you know, pretty well here, uh, there as well. You know, O'Malley's been improving, though. You know, he's been training with Taquino, you know, former ADCC, you know, champion. He's been getting training with, you know, a lot of the guys in that Arizona scene who are really, really good. But I don't think offensively he's going to have a lot to offer for, for Jan. And I just feel Jan, like, like uh, similar to you, he's just going to be able to be dumping this guy a lot harder than he has uh, been, you know, hit at any point in his career. You know, like the guy was, you know, getting hit by a little bit by Chris Moutinho when he sold. It just, Jan's got that five-round pace and cardio, and he's got, um, you know, a, a, he puts on damage on guys. So I think O'Malley's in a struggle here. Even if he does have success early, which uh, I think is still far-fetched, you know, I think that Jan is just going to be able to, beat him up later in the fight so i was actually thinking about playing the over but now that i'm thinking about it more i'm gonna avoid that a little bit and i'm looking at that minus 250 you know at FanDuel, and i'm kind of i think that's super appetizing to me but i mean i think this money's gonna keep coming in but i gotta play i'm gonna have to have something on peter yan here because the guy's just so good so well-rounded um and so intelligent in there i think he knows he's not underestimating sean o'malley that's the thing o'malley's you know coming he's not gonna catch peter yan off guard at any point here so you know i'm looking forward to this fight i think that yan's gonna be able to land on o'malley as the fight goes on chop those legs up and potentially put him on the ground all right that's going to take us into the title fights two title fights uh bantamweight division lightweight division First fight is the champion, Aljamain Sterling, taking on former champion TJ Dillashaw. The odds for this one, Aljamain Sterling minus 175, TJ Dillashaw plus 150. Ozzy, your turn to start this one off on the first title fight. Sweet fight. I love this fight. I mean, you know, TJ, I've always really liked and enjoyed TJ Dillashaw's fights and his fighting style and, you know, how he came on, um, you know, overall, you know, it's kind of like how he approached, you know, a lot of these fights and, you know, how well-rounded he is. But I, I, I think he's lost a step. I think that knee surgery he's coming off of is a major one. And the, the, the fact of the matter is, like, I think the style that Aljamain Sterling brings is one that uh, is an issue for a guy like uh, like like uh, Alge- or like TJ. TJ kind of struggles sometimes in the striking when, when you're not really exchanging with him. Like, people talk about a lot of the times, like, his knockouts. But, like, it's not hard to knock out Cody Garbrandt, as we've seen, you know. And the only reason I mention that is because some of the strikes that he throws, like you see against Corey Sanhagen, you see against like Dominic Cruz, he has a hard time with guys that are not setting their feet and landing some of these punches. You know, he's swinging and missing a lot. You know, he's throwing a lot, throwing out a lot of kicks that sometimes are a little bit telegraphed. Um, and I think that he had to go to those leg kicks and that, you know, just clinch grappling game against Corey, you know, to, to end up winning that fight. 
Um, and I feel like Al Jermaine, he's been discredited for having to fight 25 minutes or 50 minutes, excuse me, against the best guy in the division. You know, did he slow down in that second and first fight? Yeah. But the first fight, crazy pace, crazy, you know, uh, approach that he had in there. He's landing the tons, tons of strikes and he's just like volume based. I think he's going to be able to touch TJ with a lot of these straight shots. I think he's going to be able to avoid a lot of the counter punches that TJ does throw. And when TJ does wind up on some of these punches, I think Al Jermaine is going to be able to get him in the clinch wrap him up with you know similar to like how he did that Corey Sanhagen fight right Corey overextends on like one punch and Aljamain wraps him up with his arms you know gets behind him you know he takes down Peter Yan wraps him up with those legs and he's immediately in a, in a mounted position and throwing down uh you know big strikes on him and TJ I feel he's just a meathead alpha male guy right he's talking about oh D1 wrestling and all that stuff. Like, wh where did Dominic Cruz wrestle? You didn't wrestle D1. I don't even think he wrestled junior college. And he took TJ, uh, TJ down multiple times. And, you know, a lot of times when TJ is looking to get away, he's giving up his back. And I just, you know, I respect TJ's grappling, though. Like, I think the biggest uh, point where I think Al Jermaine could err is if he does fatigue a little bit and does uh, allow TJ to to take him down potentially. You know, he did go to his back a few times against Peter Yan, but even then he did throw up some submissions there. Um, and I think this guy's super tricky. I think TJ is underestimating him because TJ thinks that he's super dangerous and all those things like that. But Aljo's not going to play that game with him. Um, and I think that TJ is going to be throwing leg kicks and stuff like that. And I think all those things are going to lead to him getting taken down, him getting put in really bad positions. And I'm going to put a little bit on that uh, Aljamain by submission here. So I got Aljamain at the minus 160, 162 number. Um, I, I just favor him overall here. You know, I think that his cardio is a little bit better than people uh, give it credit for. He pieced up uh, Pedro Munoz. He pieced up uh, um, Jimmy Rivera. And the fact of the matter is there's been nobody who's been able to shut down Aljamain Sterling on the feet or on the ground in his UFC career or in his career at all. Nobody's looked good against this guy, and everyone's always underestimated him. I think that's in a, a maintain here. I think that him coming back from this neck surgery as well, he's had six or seven months since that last Peter Yan fight to kind of improve and build on to here. Um, and I think we're going to hear and still after uh, at the end of the night or end of the afternoon on Saturday. And I think Al Jermaine will win this fight, whether it be a submission, decision, whatever it may be. But uh, I think he's keeping the belt. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the fight is a bit com more competitive than Ozzy does, but I, I do uh, sort of agree with Sterling's price just because um, the way I'm seeing the fight is TJ or uh, Alge's um, ability to win a round with, you know, one move, that back take is, is very significant here. You know, he can hit a takedown and he can get a back take. He's probably going to keep that back take for, you know, three to five minutes, however long he needs to keep that. And that's going to, you know, be a round winner right off the back. Um, so that, that's a huge, uh, thing that's going into this pricing here is that the, I think this fight will probably hit the scorecards. We'll probably go to the full five rounds. Um, like I was saying, the Sterling sub probably is the most likely way the fight finishes. Uh, but I, I never really think it will go the full five rounds and that, that round winning ability from Sterling to hit that back take and just kind of secure that round is huge. While TJ Dillashaw is going to have to stuff takedowns, he's going to have to win the striking. He's going to have to do that for five minutes around just to win the round. So it's going to be a lot more difficult for, for TJ to bank these rounds. And that's why you're seeing the price of Sterling uh, is what it is. And I, I kind of agree with the pre-fight pricing. I want to see how TJ looks early on here. Um, 
I, I think he pro- possibly could win round one because um, I don't think Sterling is going to come out shooting from the jump. I think he's going to try to fill him out on the feet a little bit. And um, one thing I'm thinking about this fight, though, is that, um, you know, as he mentioned that Sterling, you know, is piecing up Munoz and Rivera on the feet. His striking looks really good in those fights. And then in the Jan fight, um, we didn't – well, the, the, the first Jan fight, we saw a little bit of striking from Aljo. The second fight, we really didn't see much striking at all. And I thought it was a mistake from Aljo. I mean, I think he's at his best when he's blending in uh, those strikes together, when he's using his length, those kicks, those straight punches of his, and then he shoots that takedown uh, behind those strikes. And I think we're going to see a little bit more of that from Aljo here. He's going to go back to the striking and start throwing some strikes, confusing TJ, and then using those strikes to disguise that takedown and eventually get that takedown. Uh, but against Jan, I think he was maybe a little bit spooked by the striking of Jan, and he didn't want to initiate the striking. But uh, I, rewatching even the second Jan fight, I just think that Aljo, his his takedown attempts were a bit, you know, desperate enough. The, those fights, he was shooting from a long distance away, and he, luckily for him, he's gifted at chain wrestling, and he's gonna once he gets in on you, it doesn't matter if you denied that first entry, he's gonna chain multiple attempts together, and he will eventually get you down. And that's what happened against Jan. You know, Jan was stuffing a few shots. He was stuffing him, and then uh, just one time he he made a little mistake. He you know missed a wizard, and then all of a sudden Aljo ducks around to the, the back. He gets the back take, and he round two, round three with those back takes. Um, I will say though, Sterling, I think you know his cardio does have to be a legitimate concern because in the Yan fight, uh, the second Yan fight, you know the fight went almost as good as it could have in the first, you know, one, two, three rounds. Uh, he, you know, banked the two and th- uh, second and third easily with those back takes. And even round one, he stole that one on two out of three judges scorecards. And in round four and five, you did see him, you know, feeling the pace. His cardio didn't look as good. It probably had something to do with having that body lock for so long. He had that body lock for maybe seven or eight minutes in round two and three. And his legs are probably feeling a little bit like jello in those fourth and fifth rounds. Uh, he really needs to, to start working on that cardio to, because to be a consistent champion, uh, you know, I guess it's more of a pacing issue than it is a cardio issue. I don't think he's a gasser necessarily. I think he just needs to have, you know, get that five round experience to get himself used to spacing out that cardio over the full five rounds. Um, but, you know, I- I'm honestly rooting for TJ to win the fight. I- I'm a big fan of, of TJ's uh, career overall. You know, I think he's a, a tremendous fighter. Uh, uh, I, I'm a big uh, fan of PEDs and steroids as well, so I don't like people kind of using TJ as the scapegoat and you know talking a bunch of shit on him using steroids. While everybody's on steroids, he was just you know unfortunately the one who got caught. Um, so I hope TJ can pull off uh, the upset. I think it would be uh, kind of a cool story for him to you know come back off that long layoff and get that belt so far down the road. Um, and, you know, I think people have kind of written them off in title fights before, you know, obviously the, the fucking Burrell fight, the, the, the Cody Garbrandt fights, um, you know, I think he should have won the Dominic Cruz decision back in the day. So I hope TJ pulls it off. I, I don't think he actually will. Um, and it's probably going to be, uh, you know, a 49, 46 decision for Sterling here. Maybe he gets three rounds instead of four, but I think Aljo by decision, uh, is probably going to be the outcome here, but, um, I hope to be wrong, and that's going to take us to the main event, lightweight division. They can't lightweight championship, technically, because Oliveira somehow um, lost his belt on the scale against Gaethje. That's all semantics, though. Charles Oliveira is the lightweight champion, taking on Islam Mahachev. Odds for this one, Islam, the favorite, minus 193, Charles Oliveira, plus 168. So 
I've picked against Charles Oliveira wrong in literally his past four fights. I picked Lee, Ferguson, Poirier, and Gaethje. Just terrible. Terrible. Um, and I'm done picking against him. I'm done betting against him. I'm done rooting against him. There's no way I can do it because early on, you know, a month ago, two months ago, I was thinking about the fight. I'm thinking, you know, Islam should top game him, you know, based on the Kevin Lee fight. Don't really love what I saw from Oliveira there. You know, he did get put on his back by Lee. Um, did spend, you know, five, seven minutes on his back in the first two rounds of that fight. Not a good recipe for fighting Islam Mahachev. Um, and, you know, what I'm thinking about Oliveira's, um, his his defensive grappling, it, it, the way I've, I'm describing it is it's very um, reactive. It's not extremely proactive. And, you know, um, what I was thinking in a guy like uh, like Justin Gaethje against Khabib, I was thinking Gaethje has reactive takedown defense. He's he's not going to let you get close to him. He's got good distance management. He's going to kick the legs. He's going to use his punches. He's going to use those weapons to keep Khabib off of uh, getting a takedown. Um, but Oliveira's uh, takedown defense seems to be more reactive, where he'll let you initially take him down, and then he'll be like, how can I sweep? How can I submit? He'll attack an omoplata or an armbar or a triangle or hit a butterfly sweep, and he's extremely gifted off of his back with those those uh, submissions and sweeps, and he's going to be very pesky to deal with. Um, but I do think that Islam will get him down without much difficulty. I think that you know Islam's going to put him on his back. It just becomes a matter of... Um, Will Oliveira's sweeps and subs work against a guy with the the top game of Islam? And uh, I mean, I think that's a really good question. We haven't seen a guy who's really fight off their back again. These guys kind of just suffocate under the pressure, and I don't think that Oliveira is going to do that. I think Oliveira will be more comfortable on bottom than pretty much any opponent Islam has ever fought. So that's going to be interesting. And the striking here, I mean, it's going to be pretty one-sided for Charles Oliveira, in my opinion. I mean, the guy's striking is just getting consistently better. It's much better than Islam's. I mean, his his boxing has gotten really good. His uh, kicks up the middle, his teeps are good, and his clinch work is absolutely fucking nasty. I mean, he beat up uh, Gaethje in the clinch. He beat up uh, uh, Poirier in the clinch a little bit in their fight as well. And I think like this fight, if Islam shoots a takedown and Oliveira initially stuffs it, I mean, Islam is going to be eating knees in the clinch. He's going to be eating elbows. And it's going to be difficult for for, um, Islam to get some of his traditional takedowns where Islam, he'll drive you to the cage, he'll get your back against the cage, and then he'll dive in on your legs and try to get you down. I think that's going to be difficult because Charles is very comfortable in the clinch against the cage. Islam should be trying at time and takedowns in the center of the cage where he has a lot of room in the cage to get uh, Oliveira down. And, um, you know, logic tells me that Islam, um, you know, minus 190 is about accurate and that he should win the fight. But like I said, I'm done picking against Oliveira. I'm done doubting the guy and I'm having to will myself into picking Charles Oliveira to win the fight. Um, Won't be betting on it. I think I think people betting on this fight with confidence are a, a little foolish, in my opinion. I mean, you got two elite level fighters. You got both guys who are kind of bad matchups for one another. Both guys who this is, you know, a really tough opponent for one another. And, you know, being confident in either one of these guys and laying multiple units on this fight, just not a smart recipe, in my opinion. Um, the fight that I, the, the, the line I see with the most value is probably for this fight to start round three. I don't think these guys are going to finish each other easily. I think if it's an early finish, it will be very likely a Charles finish. I don't think Islam is finishing Oliveira easily. I think, um, you know, starts round three at even. 
that's pretty good. I don't think this ending in rounds one or two at 50%. So starts round three is not a bad bet there. Uh, but, um, you know, just amazing matchup. Cannot wait for this fight. And I'm interested to see what Ozzy is thinking here. Oh, wee, is this a fucking title fight? Um, man, I've been looking forward to this one. Um, you know, I, I've just been wanting to see Islam, like, just really prove it to me. Like, show me. Like, this is the guy. Because I feel a lot of the stuff is propped up a little bit, or a lot of bit, by that pedigree of Khabib's. And I was on the spaces yesterday, and I was kind of, like, discussing this fight a bit. And, you know, just the biggest difference that I see with the Islam side is, like, you know, even when he does get these takedowns, man, like, his ground and pound, like, it's not like Khabib. Like, you've seen Khabib against Michael Johnson as in Barboza, Conor McGregor, multiple fights, he puts it on guys on top, you know, elbows, you know, punches, you know, just grinding them down and, and you know, connecting with big strikes. And Islam, he's more of a control guy. Like, he's looking to sit on you in half guard. You know, he's got these gorilla shoulders and he's, you know, really wants to lock you down in half guard, put shoulder pressure on you and just hold you down there. And, you know, I, I that's like the issue when I'm thinking about this fight. Like, yeah, can is Islam likely going to get some takedowns on Oliveira? Yeah. But, like, where what where's the threats if he's not getting the guard passes like is he just gonna sit there and get punched and elbowed and you know have Oliveira trying to submit him from on bottom like where where is like the danger he's gonna be posing that's really worries for Charles and I think that's why Charles is coming in here super confident because he's like hey man this is gonna be hard for this guy to take me down um when it's on the feet I'm gonna be looking to butcher him and then when it's on the ground I don't think he's getting submitted by Islam unless it, he's there's really a big fatigue factor. So, you know, early on, I was like looking at the Islam side. I'm like, yeah, like this is definitely like I'm definitely going to be taking Islam. But now I'm definitely not on the Islam side. I just can't bet a guy where I think he's just not as dangerous um, here. And he's going to have to have like some really good, you know, um, events happening for him to get these dominant positions um if Oliveira is on his game and i've just seen an evolution from charles Oliveira. i've gone two and two fortunately for me on uh, on Oliveira's uh, few fights you know i had chandler against him nahagichi but i also had him big against poirier and he just is different on the feet man this guy's blood hungry bloodthirsty on the feet he's looking to you know land crazy amount of strikes in all ways right he's butchered southpaws which uh islam is um right but like the transitions how he goes from the clinch striking like you mentioned to okay you pull out of that and then he's landing these big shots on you like he did against gaichi you know these front kicks flying knees that he's throwing um elbows that he's throwing in the clinch like he's just looking to put damage on the out out on guys and there's literally not been anyone that Islam has like significantly damaged in a UFC fight. Like, I just don't like seeing that. The fact that the guy's not been through that much adversity overall. And when that Oliveira tidal wave gets going, it's hard to stop. So Islam better have no, you know, bad moments in this fight. Because if he does, you just don't know. Like, if he's in a panicked, you know, state, like, wh what is he going to do? If he gets rocked with punches, does he dive in for a takedown? Does he exchange with Oliveira? Like, what does he do? You don't know. So what killed the cat, Martian? Overconfidence killed the cat. And you telling me that you've got, you know, 10 units on Islam, I just don't think is right. I don't think they're that big a margin for a guy like this over such a dangerous grappler, not or a uh, fighter in Charles Oliveira. I love Islam's grappling. I love Khabib's grappling. It's something that I've tried to implement in my own grappling but it is uh big on you know having an advantage on a guy and then 
keeping those transitions going where you're beating them to the next position. And the thing with a guy like Oliveira and, and guys like him that I've grappled, like they're pretty good at keeping, you know, uh, opportunities small for you to capitalize on them. And he's been better with his offensive grappling as well, you know, of late, like with, with, uh, against Dustin Poirier, against Michael Chandler, right? That sh double leg that he shoots on him. And then he's been looking good in these later rounds. What happened in that second round after that first round against Chandler? He comes out across that cage and he's, uh, foot on the gas. Like he's ready on the trigger. As soon as Michael Chandler throws a shot, boom, left hook, rocks him. That third round, he comes out against Poirier. Immediately, Poirier throws a big strike, slips it, wraps him up in the clinch, jumps on his back, finishes him. The guy's just crazy opportunistic, has looked better in these later rounds. So I'm going to pick him as well to win this fight. You know, I'm going to end up, you know, I'm trying, I'm hoping that this just keeps ballooning up because people are super confident on the Islam side. I get it. I, You know, he's been grinding these guys out. But, dude, this guy got taken down by Tiago Moises, you know, like Tiago Moises, like they were reversing each other in these clinch positions. They got this big cage here. Like, is Islam going to be able to stay glued to Charles on the fence? Like, do people think these are auto takedowns? Like, he's just going to, you know, kick his foot, sweep his foot, and he's going to fall down every time they lock up. This is the thing that I'm not really seeing with these guys you know the, the the dan hooker takedown it's like he's diving on his legs from you know way way out and you know hooker's bottom half guard and you know he then he he's not able to do anything so i think the people i think that he's in the cut through charles Oliveira are nuts i don't think he's gonna be able to stay glued to him as much as people think um and i think it's gonna be and still there the champion has a name it's charles Oliveira, and i think at the end of the night he got two and stills they're gonna say and new but I think TJ Dillish, or I think uh, Aljamain Suri is going to keep his belt. And I think they're going to wrap that belt around uh, Charles Oliveira as well. Um, and hopefully it's going to be, my dream is that it's a quick fight. He knocks his dude out quick and they do Benil versus Charles in, in Brazil. That would be fucking sick. That would be. That's what I'm I, I, I agree. Would, Levoc, let Levoc fight another guy. About you know? the like going into the rounds, what I said about starts round three. You think you think Charles finishes him early, or do you think it will go go late? Man, it's a vol it's volatile. I think that you, that's the issue. If it's going later and Islam, you know, is able to neutralize some of the offense, like that's gonna be the the issue. Like if Charles is a little tired and Islam is on top, like this guy's a shaved, uh, you know, silverback gorilla. Like he's crazy strong. So I could see. Know, him getting these submissions he's much more that's the thing in in uh, opposite of khabib he's much more willing to go for these submissions like some of his, his armbar transitions are really nice but i think that would be if it's later on i think islam is probably you know gonna win you know if it's mm -hmm. you know going later on but uh but the the pseudo olivera man his condition these you saw last week when we lost on fucking castaneda against this uh santos guy these guys i don't know what they're doing with their conditioning but it's different. They're looking good in these later rounds. Usually these Brazilians, you've been thinking like they're like Yuri Alcantara kind of motherfuckers. Like they start folding, you know, they, you start hitting them a little bit. But that's the issue, dude. Islam does not put damage. So like how worried is Oliveira about getting hurt and beat up in there? That is That saps your cardio, right? What do they say? Oh, you punch a black belt. He, he's a brown belt. Islam doesn't do that, dude. So I, I'm, I'm willing to be surprised and wrong. But I just, in that sport of MMA, man, you got to be putting damage on guys. So we'll see. Islam sounds confident. He thinks he's going to just grind them out. I don't think so, though.
All right, that's going to do it for this card. Uh, you know, we talked for a good amount of time, but that's what happens when these fights are good, man. When, when it's a shitty fight night, we'll do a 50-minute hour-long podcast. When it's a great pay-per-view with six main event-worthy fights, we're going to go an hour and a half because we got a lot to talk about. Even even some of the fights that aren't, you know, main event-worthy, Ohio Muradov, Krylov Ozdemir, uh, Almeida Tukuov, uh, Nurmagomedov Omar, you know, they're good fights. Mokayev on the prelims. You know, this card is fucking amazing, and I cannot wait for uh saturday morning first that's gonna take it our best bet parlay of the week i have mine one in mind for me ozzy go first go first okay i'm gonna do sean brady minus 130 you i feel like i might have stolen that one a little bit from you but i feel like you have a, a different one that i know which one you're gonna choose that's okay that's okay so i mean you know the two money lines that i like when i'm looking at this um you know i like the krilov side I like Benil Dariush. But, you know, I know Benil Dariush, a lot of people don't like him. One other thing I wanted to add, because you rushed me a little bit on that one, is bulletin board material. All right. It's not only the case in professional, like ball sports, but Benil's there. They're taking his backup, this title shot, all this kind of stuff. You know, this guy Gamrot's coming off a five round main event. He was, Benil's supposed to fight both the title guys. Like bulletin board material. This is burn the boats. All in, Benil Dariush. But I'm going to go with a, a, a pick, a favorite, actually, that, that I like a little bit better. So I'm going to go with Nikita Krylov, the money line. Um, I think that he's just... Wait, say it again. It cut off a little bit. Nikita, Nikita, okay. Nikita Krylov on the money line. I think he's going to be Volcom. Minus 175 or whatever it is. You know, I, I think he's going to win that fight. Um, but, you know, I, I, I really said all the sides that I like this week. But I, I'll go with that as my best bet. This is true. That comes out Brady minus one thirty, Krylov minus one seventy five on Bet Online comes out to plus one seventy eight. There, um, yeah, Benny is good. We'll be betting Benny, but not like a best bet because you know I guess there is potential for him to lose. While Krylov, I think, has way more potential to actually cover and look rather easily. So plus one seventy eight, that's going to be our best bet parlay of the week, and uh, that'll do it for this podcast. Any closing thoughts here, Ozzy? I uh, love this card. I'm really looking forward to it, and I'm I'm firing. I'm firing away. A lot of these matchups, you know, I'm I'm gonna have I'm gonna have some some good cash in a lot of these fights. How do you think the? What's your prediction for the Yankees Astros series? Who's who's winning and how many games? Yanks in six, bro. Yanks in six. I like it. Phillies Yankees World Series is on the horizon. Um, yeah, I'm and, looking uh, forward to so, the, the last Yankees parade when we won in whatever I forget when 07, I think 09. I, 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 yeah, 09. I, I cut school to, to go to it. I don't got to cut school no more. So I'm looking forward to another parade, though. All right. And I uh, hope everyone enjoys the fights this weekend. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you're subscribing, following us on Twitter. And we'll see you all before the next UFC event next week. Peace out, everybody.